This is the Gambling Gauchos. If we keep playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say, what's next? That's all we do. Somebody turn on some damn music. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. If we keep playing and fighting for each other, and no matter what happens, we just say, what's next? That's all we do. Somebody turn on some damn music. You're listening to the Gambling Gauchos. Talking Texas Tech. Betting on the Big 12 and beyond. We've got everything you need. Money lines, memes, and matadors. Well, you want to quit, Ethan? That'll be the day. Now, here's Kyle Jacobson and Rob Bro, The Money Line Matadors. The Casino Cowboys. The Parlay Picadors. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns, and those who dig. You dig. With the Gambling Gauchos. Oh, and one more thing. It's all West Texas. It always has been. Welcome into the Gambling Gauchos. I am Rob Rowe. He's Kyle Jacobson. The mayor of Texas Tech Twitter. We, uh, we're alive on Cardinals. What? He threw me off point. Oh, uh, the mic situation. Are we good? Yeah. Okay. Are we not? Is it a little bit high? It's mouth level. Okay. We're good then. You were saying we were in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. We are in the Cardinal Sports Center studio. I'll point it towards you a little bit because I'm louder. Okay. We're upon the holiday season. If you want to shop for your loved ones, nothing says love more than Cardinal Sports Center gifts. You can get them at Cardinal Sports Center, mycardinalsports.com, or live in person in Lubbock. I got uh, a custom hat for a loved one the other day. Custom hats. You walk right in there. It's real easy. If you're in Lubbock, walk right up to the counter. Say, hey, I want a custom hat. They're fairly cheap. You just buy the hat and then pay 12 bucks. You put whatever you want on the hat or shirt or blanket or anything that they have in this little cubby up front. Or they can order whatever you want. You can customize it. It's awesome. Gift cards. Oh, yeah. Men's, women's, children. 
They've got all kinds of sales going on. Yep. I think if you're listening to this before, uh, when was it? Today? You listen to this tonight? Tomorrow? Most people are probably listening to it right now. How do you do that? Well, I, I was I making a joke. I know. <laughs> but you can live stream episodes if you're a Parlay Picador, which is a member of our Patreon community, patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos, $5 a month. Portion of all proceeds go to the Matador Club. I was just going to mention, you might still can get on the uh, 20% off Under Armour gear. At yes. Cardinals. I just, I don't know exactly when that's ending. In fact, if the reminder to those streaming this live saves them $5 getting 20% off, then your membership as a Parley Picador pays for itself. It's true. How about them Red Raiders, Kyle? Huge win. Um, do you want to start off with the actual game or the people complaining that the season was just 7-5 and five and that we shouldn't <laughs> be so happy? Because that came from Texas Tech fans and opposing fan bases that were just like, hey, chill your Jets. But it's all relative, in my opinion. Yeah, we we can get to that. I guess I'll start with the game, and then we'll take more uh, broader season takeaway type perspectives. Do you want to skip the first quarter? No, we can't, because it's important. It's important. You came out completely flat. And it's funny, every time I see a flat team, Joey McGuire sees a team that's too excited. Don't know exactly how that works. Uh, I understand where he's coming from. Um, a little too juiced up, especially after the huge kickoff return. Hey, that's why you return kicks, Kyle. I was so you can get the big one. I was thirty seconds away from eating crow, and then they <laughs> ran their first offense play. I was like, "Well, would you have run that play out of the gates if you had just taken the touchback and taken the ball to twenty-five? Probably not. They were probably I, trying to strike." With you a big think? play going off the momentum there. I think that was just the play call that they practiced all week and said, hey, we're going to get them, and they would have run that from the 10 or the 12 very, on either side of the field. Very strange sequence. Why were they going hurry up, one? Why, because that's what they do. Why call it, two? And then three, when it's getting blown up, why try to make the pitch to the reverse man instead of just taking it second and 13? That was the worst part of it to me. Um the first play of the season, first game of the year, flea flicker. So it's not out of the ordinary that they just wanted to get something big. Against Murray State. But it's the, you're at the 30. Yeah. I mean, just run the damn ball or throw an easy pass to the sideline like you did all night. No, I, I'm a, I'm a take the touchback every single kickoff return guy. Yeah. I think our listeners Noted. know that. And, yeah, they finally had a kickoff return worthy of – not taking the free yards and, and completely screwed it up. Fumbled the bag. Um, I do think that that start was bad, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that they started poorly because it's much more important how you finish a game. And Joey McGuire, a lot of times this season, has talked about the middle eight minutes of a game how you finish the first half and start the second half. And Texas Tech dominated the middle eight, and that's what won the game. And really, to a broader extent, the middle 30? Yeah, you really did. I think at one point they said it was we were on a 38-14 to 14 run. Yeah. And, of course, Oklahoma clawed their way back into it and went to overtime. But, yeah, I, was, I almost sent a tweet that I would have regretted 
when it was 17-0. I had it like even saved in the drafts in case I had to tweet it a few plays later, but I was going to say something to the effect of, you know, blowing up the south end zone and building something completely new in its place is the perfect metaphor for this game. And I was like, well, you know what? We're about to get the ball back. Yeah. It's early. Maybe I'll hold off on that. And I'm glad I did because well, it would have been old takes exposed. And there was a bunch of times that you could have obfuscated that into something positive, though. Uh, yeah, because like, I knew this was coming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just building the foundation yeah. like I always knew. No, you actually could have. Um, but I... I just to me, there's a lot of moments in the game, especially in this Oklahoma-Texas Tech game, where you looked completely dead in the water. Um, I'm going to see if I can remember these. It's for certain 17-0, done. Missed the extra point, done. Even when good stuff's happening, bad stuff's happening. Uh, and then right after that touchdown, they go 77 in one play. Yeah, 24 to 6. Done. Toast. Wrap it up. Try again next year. Joey had a pretty good first year. I jinxed the game with all those stats I put out before the, the game. Now, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's over. What a dumb tweet I did. Ain't no curses. Ain't no curses. I got to tell you a story about that when we get to the end of the game. Remind okay. me. But I just, it, it's to be in such a hole. And then for Sir Roderick Thompson to put the team on his back and have 21 yards on two carries and really start this offense going. And then Dadrian Taylor-Demerson to get the interception, to, to give you another score. And then Brent Burnt Vegetables Venables to go classic cliff three and out to give you the ball back with 48 seconds left. And on the rewatch today, the the color analyst, when Oklahoma gets the ball with a minute and a half, well, this is so much time. It's like an entire quarter. This offense can do everything in 86 seconds. And then you get the ball back with 48. Ah, you just run the ball. This, this half's over. Just cash it in. And that's what you thought about these two teams in that moment, only down four, storming back with all the momentum. And I'll be honest with you, when it was clear that OU was playing just to go to half, I was nervous about taking the timeouts because I've, I've seen that backfire. Yes. I was sitting with Jackson, one of our parlay picadors, and I was like, yeah, I'd be fine just going to the half 24-20 here, considering how you started. Oh, yeah. Just go to half, you know, keep making adjustments, get better in the third quarter. And they almost had a shot to at least take a, a chance at the end zone. Had Bradley run out of bounds with the clock stopped, I think they could have done that. But they get three points and – uh, make it a one-point deficit going into the half by playing as aggressively as they did. So it, it worked out really well, but I've just seen that where you, you call timeouts, they punt it, and you muff it, then they've got the ball back. and So it, it was ballsy, but it worked. Yeah, or they just break one. Mm -hmm. um, backtracking just a little bit, I thought Brent Venables coached an awful game. Absolutely. And it started with the the field goal, the fake field goal. Yeah. Why? Up 14, why? We haven't done anything to stop their offense to this point. No. If you want three yards, just just run the offense out there and call a play. Or just kick a field goal and go up 17 and yeah. be fine. Well, I'm just saying if you if you don't want the three points there, oh, yeah. then just run your offense. They We're not stopping you. Yeah. Y'all averaged 10 yards a play all night. Awful. Awful decision. It, it was that. He tried to ice the kicker and it backfired. Yep. Uh, they tried to sub and 
this sequence, I'm jumping way ahead, but just on the topic of Venables coaching the way he did. They run the reverse pass to Dylan Gabriel. In overtime. Who gets his freaking rocked. Lit up. Reggie Pearson. Dumb. Yes. Twice. Twice. Just hit the ever-loving out of people. I was, I was, that ball was floating in the air for like 10 seconds. And as it was, I'm screaming, light his ass up, light his ass up. You know, in a legal, clean way, which he did. Right. Got him right in the shoulder. I didn't want a cheap shot or helmet to helmet, anything like that. And he lit his ass up. But you put your quarterback in that position. That was stupid. But after that, Gabriel's fine. Yeah. He's ready to come back in, and you have a timeout in overtime. They elect not to use it. They run the wildcat for one yard. So now it's Which second and nine. Is their backup quarterback the tight end? But then they screw up the substitution after it, and they try to sub with 15 seconds left. And I love this. Joey knew exactly what he was doing. He outcoached Venables in this moment. He tells Tony Bradford to jog off the field about as slow as he can. He's even like. Yeah, so Joey's like, or, uh, or uh, Bradford slow poking it to the sideline like he should. Yeah. And the ref's holding the ball, holding the ball. And they snap it with like two seconds left. It's uh, I don't know if you noticed this during the game, but their center's snaps at the end were getting really bad. Yeah. And Gabriel was it's floating him. He catches the snap, and uh, Vidal Scott is in the backfield. I was like, guys, why don't y'all just call timeout, bring your quarterback back in, yeah. and run the offense? Hey, Vidal Scott, great two plays in overtime. So then it's third and long, and they try to run a quarterback draw. It gets stuffed. And that whole sequence, I was like, look, if your quarterback, yeah, he got his bell yeah. rung. But if he's ready to go back in, use the timeout. As valuable as Gabriel is in that moment, that is when your timeout is worth using. And they didn't do it. So Venable's coach, from the the personnel, the substitution, the timeouts, all of it was really bad. The fake field goal, yeah, horrible. Well, and just the, the way their defense went soft after they got the lead. And the way they misused tempo. They're kind of like you in that they only want to go one speed, which I've griped about that for Texas Tech. Yeah. It's like, hey, let's go four and a half minutes here. It doesn't have to be two. I mean, Eric Ray had 28 carries for 162 yards. He could have had 40 carries for 250. Well, the quarterback run game worked well. Their their quick game worked well. They could have run the clock, moved the chains, but they didn't. They hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, and then they gave you the ball back. Yeah. And they, they didn't really have to had they operated in a certain way. Especially at the well, at the end of both halves. Let's stick with the defense for a little bit. Worst game they've played all year. Yeah. Absolutely torched on the back end. Yes. Over and over and over. And it wasn't just one guy like no. it has been in the past. It, it was It was blown assignments. Yep. When you're there, you're just getting mossed. You know, you're committing PI and they're catching it anyway. That's which embarrassing. Hat tip to them, I guess. I mean, the receivers made some great plays. Yeah. But uh yeah, you didn't really do much. Besides the Dadrian Taylor Demerson, INT, a couple muddy waters. Plays in the backfield. I mean, they just they torched you. Kobe Miner had a hit on the sideline that I, in real time, thought was targeting. Yeah. And uh, and early. On the and rewatch? Yeah, and they didn't call anything. Did you think it was targeting on the rewatch? No. Not as much as I did in real time. I thought he hit him in the chest. I, I was shocked they didn't. I didn't think it should have been a flag because the ball was already over his head, right. out of bounds, uncatchable. I was shocked they didn't call it. But it's just the type of play where oh, you yeah. think they're going to call it because oh, it looks yeah. like a penalty. Yes, it it looks like a penalty. And you know what? They missed a call early and had a makeup call, but I thought the crew was really good. I thought they let the quarterbacks play. I, there was, 
I don't know why they made Tyler Shook make a tackle at the end of the game. But, <laughs> what are you doing? But uh, I, I thought overall that was probably the, the best officiated game in, in a while, and they didn't really try to assert themselves. It, no, it wasn't a good officiating crew. But as far as the product that the Big 12 has put out there lately, that was a fine crew. I just don't get it in terms of – I shared the clip of the Jacoby Jackson holding call against Iowa State. Yeah. And you can maybe go, well, technically his hand right. on the outside of his shoulder pads, by the book, okay, whatever. It didn't look like a hold. Right. In real time, it didn't look like a hold. In slow-mo on the rewatch, they threw the flag. Against OU, I see it from you know the 50-yard line up in yeah. the stands. Kosai Eldridge gets the crap hooked out of him. Yeah. There's eight guys on the field mm-hmm. looking for that, and they don't call it. See, I would rather a no-call, even on holding. And even though it goes against you. I'm just using that example as a side-by-side. Oh, 100%. If we're going to call holding or not call holding on those two plays, they got them completely flip-flopped. I just prefer this crew's approach. And it was also your worst game just mentally. Yeah, you had a lot of false starts where that's not a judgment call at all. ten of them. And it was was receivers, it was linemen, everybody. Weird. I I did. So live, I kind of thought that maybe that – Picked up, pass interference flag was clean. On the rewatch, I was like, that is textbook PI. I don't know oh, yeah. why they picked that up. Yeah, he's way early. So that's where the missed hook on Eldridge, it, I'm like, okay, it's probably even, but it's it's still just bad officiating on both of those. It looked like he dove. I don't know. See, but, Looked like he just ripped right across the guy's arms as he was trying to make the catch, and that's, that's PI. It looked like the receiver dove. <laughs> oh, okay. Is why it, I think they picked it up. Yeah. Is, that's the only thing I could think of. Rudy Doving got his arms punched. <laughs> <laughs> but there was others. It didn't matter because they caught it anyway, but they called P.I., and I don't I don't know what the D.B. was supposed to do any differently. Looked like he was just... Yeah, there's one they cut it off his back. I mean, Marvin Mims is unreal. He's caught some really easy passes, but he makes the hard ones. Yeah. He's like C.D. Lamb. So, defense, um, I don't have a ton of good things to say. Reggie Pearson lit some guys up. Muddy Waters had some great plays. Yeah. Especially you, on uh Well, you made the plays when you needed to. Yeah. I don't know why I did that. You made it the plays when you, you needed to. Shout out to the Twitch viewers who saw me do that. You know, the only thing better than Italian food is Rahino Barbecue. <laughs> At Rahino BBQ on socials. Order ahead, RahinoBBQ.com. They've got everything. And if you're looking for a twist on maybe some holiday meals this year, you don't want to do the ham on Christmas, you want to switch it up a little bit. See if you can do a family-style order from Rahino. I bet they'll accommodate. Maybe you do a Christmas brisket this year. Did you see the family the family tray they offer? I did not. It's just a pile of meat, man. It's awesome, man. Some I, sides. You, you get your whole meal there. Might do that for, for Christmas dinner this year. Yeah. You just go pick it up in the morning? I did think it was interesting. I was, I was curious to see over the last couple weeks how they dealt with the absence of Tyree Wilson. Isaac Smith played a lot of snaps. Hey, you know what? Shout out to him. He had a good game. Early on, he, he um, I think, w- without knowing exactly what their coach to do, it's hard to say, but it looked like a zone read where he bit on the running back and Dylan Gabriel got a first down around the end. Yeah. But G- later. Generally, the end is contained. But but later, he made the right play on, it looked like the linebacker behind him had quarterback coverage, and he went right down the line chasing the running back, got him for about a five-yard loss. So you you like to see that see that especially with the young guys making improvement within the game like it looked like he misjudged it on the first one second one makes a great play and he's got some size I he's got a good frame that he might be a player Joseph Adaderay played well man 
Robert Wooten didn't get a ton of snaps, but he blew up a run play. Early, yeah. So you like to see some of those flashes, and it gives me hope that you're not going to recreate Tyree Wilson next year. But it looks like you have a few different options of guys that can play on the defensive line. And a data ray just gives me so much hope that Joey and James and Brian are truly going to recruit like they did at Baylor at Texas Tech, and you're going to have a bunch of dudes. He's one of those guys, they only had a month to get him after they were hired, and they landed him before signing day. And so you imagine now when they've got a full year or two to build relationships with guys that are currently sophomores or juniors in high school, the talent level that they might be able to get. With a 7-5 record and all those bullet points that you can go through about how this is the best season at Texas Tech since XYZ in so many fashions. Anything else on the defensive side before we... No, well, I just I said it a little bit, but the the fourth down stop to open the second half to take the lead, you, you had to convert on offense, and then uh, the fourth down stop you got in the fourth quarter. I think you had two of them in the second half. Yeah, you stopped Gabriel short on a so uh, that might have been late third. Could have been late third, yeah. but you made those two huge plays in the second half. So it was kind of like the classic Cliff defense. You, you got two stops, and that was all you needed, but I don't think that's the future under Tim DeRuiter. Um, I will be interested to see the Rob Bro Show job approval Tuesday tweet uh, when that comes back, but we always say this. We do not complain about Big 12 wins, but there was a lot to be desired, uh, and if you do end up playing North Carolina bowl game, if May plays and doesn't declare for the NFL year. He's only a redshirt freshman. Oh. So he's there. Good. <laughs> yeah. No, he's playing. <laughs> You're going to have some issues there. But you, you have a month to prepare. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll be getting healthy and, and everything else, I'm sure. Hey, Kobe Miner had some – we already said his name, but he's not played much this year. He's a sophomore. Yeah, he'll um, be – if so. one of your two corners doesn't come back, or honestly in just in nickel-type sets right. or – well, one of the three definitely is not coming. He could get a lot of playing time. Is it crazy to think that Reggie Pearson should slide down to Muddy Waters' position? He's not as big. No, I thought he was going to play it this year anyways. And Muddy plays in the box near the line of scrimmage. I don't know if Reggie Pearson has the frame for it, but we know he can hit. I think he's probably not a true safety in terms of like playing center field and coverage. So I wonder if Kobe Miner could get on the field at safety or if, if any other corners can roll up to safety and you can roll Pearson down to Muddy's spot. Because otherwise, I don't know who takes Muddy's spot. Yeah, you've recruited some bigger DBs. Hullaby has a pretty big frame. Um, Sanford could probably play as a true freshman if he makes it to Lubbock. Um, so, we'll see. Well, this, he's not signed yet. Okay. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I just don't want to speak out of turn here. Sure. Um, let's switch to the offense. Apparently this point needs clarification because a few weeks ago you and I came on here saying run the damn ball. Uh-huh. We said that not just because we like running the ball, which right. I think we do, yeah, but because it was the best strategy to succeed against Kansas, especially because they're horrible against the run. Yeah. And they were actually good against defending against explosive plays that you typically generate through the pass game. And it opens up the pass. And because Shuck was making his first real start of the season – so I was like, well, why not lean on your backs who have been playing pretty good lately and Kansas can't stop the run. And, and he's really and good at play action. That doesn't mean that's the only strategy you can employ in a totally different game where the circumstances are completely different. Right. 
Now, Tyler Shuck averaged five yards per carry last night. Yes, he did. And he ran really well. Some of those were sacks. You know, I, I haven't broken it down on designed runs for scrambles, but he made plays with his feet. Yeah. Your two backs, though, 34 carries for a little over 100 yards. They averaged probably close to three, three and a half a pop. It wasn't very good. Do you have 41 carries? 45. You broke the threshold. Yep. And you won. Won the game. Shout out to Ryan Mainville. They, they ought to hire him as like an offensive analyst. <laughs> okay, coach, here's what I would do. First 41 plays of the game, just run it. Yeah. Guaranteed to win. Guaranteed win. But the pass game was working better against OU, and good for them for leaning into it. Shuck had 50 attempts, and so I'm a fan of do what's working. And for a long time, it looked like you were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, and it was like, hey, just run the ball. Your dude's are averaging six and a half per carry. Yeah. Run it more. But against OU, the run game wasn't really going. You got it at times when you needed it. Got creative with Donovan in the yeah. red zone, Jalen Hutchings in the red zone. When the offense really opened up in the first half when Sir Roderick got going too. So it doesn't mean that's your only strategy that you can ever use and you're not allowed to make adjustments off of it. Right. But, again, 45 carries. Yeah, but you ran 96 plays, yeah. and, and Shuck averaged 8.7 yards per attempt. That's a really good number. Right, and I, and I know a bunch of those are scrambles, probably five, six, seven of them. But even if it's 60-40 there, where you call 60 pass plays and 40 run plays, I, I'm open to that. and it, yeah. it works. You scored 51 dadgum points, and I thought you left points on the table at the end of the game. I thought you could have won in regulation. And there were some other moments where obviously had a bunch of three and outs and otherwise, but um, I thought Tyler Shuck played well against a bad defense and they hit season averages and scored 51 points in the course of that game that was open to it. They didn't quit. He fought back. Uh, he ran hard. He probably got away with a few throws. Got away with several throws and still threw an interception. But, again, defense bowed up, made a stop when they needed to. They were in field goal range and got a field goal. How many times has the defense done that this year? And we'll get to Tyler Shuck probably after the game, too, because he made some post-game comments that we can listen to. But in, in the course of last night, Tyler Shuck absolutely went out and – did enough to win that game. And I, I don't know that you need to say any more or any less than that. Yeah. He had, we, had, we had six receivers with three or more uh, catches. You had eight receivers who had a reception of at least 10 yards or longer. Xavier White doesn't meet either of those criteria on one catch for four yards. So he's, he's been, been at times your best receiver – and you actually didn't really rely on him that much versus Oklahoma. So I like that they kind of spread the ball around. Having said that, though, Jaron Bradley, I think, has really emerged as a potential number one guy for next season. He flashed in the bowl game last year. but His first start. They didn't even burn his red shirt, so he didn't get much tape or, or snaps last year. It's been really hit or miss with the outside receivers all season. Yeah, There were times where Loic Fungi looked like he was being featured more than anybody else at that position. Trey Cleveland had a couple games in that stretch with Baron Morton where he put up huge numbers. It's been Jaron Bradley a few games. And interestingly, opposite Jaron Bradley, most of the night was Brady Boyd. And so I think you have clarity, hopefully you have clarity at, le at at least one of those outside positions. Bradley, I think, should be a starter um, going into next season. The other one looks 
a little bit wide open to me still. And, and J.J. Sparkman has played well at times. Yeah, and a bunch of those spot. guys are coming back. They're all eligible, too. And I think it depends who's playing quarterback as to who, what style of receiver you want. But I, I think it, it's just a reality in today's game. I think that's a position that there's four guys, five guys are just rattled off opposite Bradley. I think it's okay to have serious conversations with them and say, hey, you might get more playing time elsewhere. I think that might be good for both parties. Yeah, and I think you're going to have more transfers than people probably think or want. And a lot of fans are going to think that's bad culture, but it's actually good culture in my opinion. Uh, and it means you're out recruiting the room because you're about to get a serious influx of bodies. And I think you'll probably add as many transfers as leave. Yeah, I, I'm okay with it. Again, for both parties. Like, yeah. I'm just using this name as an example. But if J.J. Sparkman is going to be third at the outside receiver spot next year, right. he's good enough to play somewhere else. Yes. So you just tell him, hey, we really appreciate your time here. You're a good football player. We'd rather see you go start at a different school. Yeah, and again, some of these wide receivers could be featured much more prominently in a different system. You just have to find the system or stay here and fight it out and convince the coaches that you're right for this system. So Roderick Thompson pretty much all but said after the game that he's going to go pro. Good for him. Good for him. I, I want to be greedy and see him in a Red Raider uniform 12 or 13 more times, but also, especially at that position. Yeah. Uh, you know the NFL doesn't want a 24 year old running back. No, and so um, if he if that's what he wants to do, and he feels like this is the right time to do it, I absolutely loved watching him play for Texas Tech. That last five years, he played four games in 2018, and then redshirted the rest of the season. Yeah. Like he scored in Stillwater in that game where you beat number 12 Oklahoma State on the road. Yep, and then he redshirted the rest of that season. Came back 19, 20, 21, and 22, and he's always been a beast. He's played through some injuries, runs tough as hell, all-time favorite. He's one of my all-time favorites. How many how many yards did he finish this year with? Good question. I can. I think he's had at least forward. at least three seasons with 500 yards. Um, I think two seasons with 600. So, also want to say something about a lot of talent. Some people would say that there's an asterisk next to him being the third. Third all-time in Texas Tech history for rushing touchdowns. Why? Because he played an extra year, and he got the four games as a freshman before playing four years. But he was hurt a lot, too. Yeah. I would have to check the tape on his total number of games played, but I would bet it's pretty close to a four-year player, just well, like anybody I, else. I added up his carries. His carries are... On par with yeah. James Gray, Torian Henderson, guys and, like that? And, like, he... It, uh, one of the other top guys... So Torian Henderson has the most rushing touchdowns. Uh, he also had an insane clip of carries to touchdowns because he was kind of a vulture. Um, but there's another guy who had twice as many carries per touchdown than Sir Roderick did up in the top five. I'll have to go back. Maybe it's, I'll have to go back and look at the stats. So his stat line this season, 133 attempts, 670 yards, five yards per carry, six touchdowns. Also had 22 catches, 125 yards. Yeah, so four straight years, that's... 765, 610, 500, 670. Yep. All of them, he averaged 4.8, 5.6, 4.7, 5. His it, touchdowns, going back to 2018 when he played four games, three touchdowns, 12 as a redshirt freshman. Uh, then he had eight, then he had 10, and then six this season. And never had more than 160 carries. Yep. 
which some of that is you had other running backs also playing and you don't really play a system where you have one guy, but, and he was hurt and whatever else. Yeah. But I don't feel like he was underutilized per se. Um, maybe in a few games this year, you could have gotten him a few more carries, but really proud of him. And when you look at guys that kind of changed the course of this trajectory, to be here from Cliff through Wells to Joey and kind of hand off to the next crew and stay here through all their, those three coaches, um, I probably could have pulled a clip of Srodrick in the the Big 12 or the Texas Tech media days where I said, hey, man, you know, five years, Red Raider for life, what does that mean to you? And he, he gave a very eloquent answer about it. Yeah. Um, much respect to him. And much respect to Adrian Fry, who's in the same boat. I could be wrong. I think this was Fry's sixth season. It was. Incredible. And he was a freshman All-American. Yeah. He could have easily left during the Wells era as they were misusing him. Or maybe not misusing him, but changing his position every year. Yeah, they tried to play him at safety. He easily could have left uh, in 2019, uh, but didn't. Stayed here. And that's that's awesome. I want to talk quarterback position, and I want to talk season takeaways and addressing some of those people like what are you seven and five uh, yeah why are you all so happy about but I just want to reiterate my desire for Sir Roderick Thompson to stay is completely selfish yeah um everything we're about to say is selfish about guys staying yeah I want them all to stay for selfish reasons but yeah. if I if I step back from that I can un- I can recognize that it's better for some of them to go but another thing I think of when I think of staying is our friends over at Stay Trig. Don't, don't give me that. Staytrig.com. It's your local option for a short-term home rental. Hopefully you use them over the Thanksgiving holiday if you were back in Lubbock. But if you're coming back for graduation in a few weeks, coming back to see some family over Christmas, or you'll be in and out of Lubbock for business, basketball season, staytrig.com. You can get 10% off your first visit, your first stay, using the promo code GAUCHOS. How is this different than Airbnb? Well, one, every single state trick property is professionally decorated and furnished up to the same standard. Whereas Airbnb, there's high end, there's low end. You never know. State trick is always high end. You know. The other good deal is sometimes when you come into Lubbock, they jack up the hotel rates last minute because they know everybody's coming for a football game. They know everybody's coming for graduation. And you got some dingy motel for like 900 bucks a night. Yeah. It's not a good deal. So if you know you're coming to Lubbock for basketball season or any other occasion, book on staytrig.com. Know what you're going to get. Yeah, book now. 10% off using the promo code GAUCHOS. And what what website is that? Staytrig.com. I love how you responded to that. We got quote tweeted by J.D. Runnels. J.D. Runnels. That's pretty good. I wonder what CJIU thinks of that clip. I I mean, we talked about it in the preview episode. Um, the photo of him that you used for the the connection where he's, you know, looking at Torian Henderson run into the end zone or fall into the end zone. Here's another. I, You know what? I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Yeah. I could have joined the dunk on Matt Wells parade after the game. Oh, yeah. Well, Same. we both could have. You know, typical, you know, Matt Wells coach game at the Jones and Tech loses. We didn't. We left that dead horse alone, but missed opportunity. 
not to dunk on CJ IU, but kind of tongue in cheek to say that we're two and zero against Oklahoma when, when C- CJ IU is on either sideline because he was a JUCO transfer. He only played at OU for two years. What was Matt Wells' home record? Bad. Because that would have been really funny to update it with Oklahoma as another loss. He beat Oklahoma State in 2019. He beat West Virginia in 2020. Baylor in 2020. Yes. He West did not... Virginia in 21. No. Well, oh, that road. was on the road. They beat so they Kansas beat... without him because he had COVID. Well, then they beat West Virginia in 2020. Yeah. Did you just say that? Yeah. I think he had three Big 12 wins in, in two-plus seasons, if you don't count the Kansas COVID win when he wasn't on the sidelines. But it would have been funny to to update the Matt Wells record at the Jones. You said he's a candidate for the West Virginia job if they fire Neil Brown because he's he's good in Morgantown. Yeah, he's undefeated. <laughs> Two and zero. Oh. But we left that alone. Yeah, we certainly wouldn't so want to pile on. We'll continue to leave it alone. But there was a CJIU tidbit yeah, in the same vein there. That certainly could. missed opportunity. Um, okay, let's talk quarterbacks, and that should segue into tying a bow on the season and looking ahead a little bit. Are we done with the game? I think so. Did you have any other thoughts on the game? Trey Wolf Nails. has the biggest balls in Nails in Lubbock tonight. Go back. Okay, I, I tweeted something to this effect. Yes, and I've said this before, but I completely agree with this. Freshman, I don't know which accolades he got as a freshman, but he had a really, a really good freshman season. Yes. He might have missed two or three kicks. Maybe. Maybe. Garibay transfers in, winds up getting passed on the depth chart by a good kicker in his own right, Jonathan Garibay. More than that, he had the yips. He struggled in 2019. 2020. 19. Wells' first year. They didn't make the change to Garibay until 2020. For Cliff? Or was 2019 his first year? In 2019 was his first year. That was his first year. 2020, they had the yips. Yes. Garibay took over. And then Garibay was the full-time kicker in 2021. And especially at a position like that, you know, multiple linebackers, multiple yeah. receivers can get on the field. Yeah. If you're not the starting kicker, you're – Riding a lot of pine. And especially in the era of you get a free transfer, he, he I, I'm sure, has his degree by now. He's been here long enough. And a COVID year. Could have left at any point in time. He he found a family. Stayed here after getting the yips and getting benched and going through a coaching change. And a lot of guys stay and are culture guys, locker room guys, and they don't play. He stayed, and they said, hey, we need you to be the starting kicker this year. And he said, okay, I'll go win you a couple games Yeah, with balls of steel. Texas game, don't win without him. We thought he had the game winner in regulation. Houston game, don't win without him. Texas goes and ties it up. Yeah. And then we said, now we need the real game winner in overtime, two yeah. for two, to yeah. end the game. Same deal with Oklahoma. Hey, we're going to drive down the field, need you to hit uh, a tough one from the far left hash to send it to overtime. If you miss this, we don't have another chance. Nails. And for Joey to just... We're kind of playing for the field goal in overtime. Kind of. <laughs> in regulation and I think in regulation and I think after first down in overtime they're like okay we'll just line up for a thirty eight yarder or, or whatever it is and I thought Miles they Price, trusted him and he nailed it yeah I I mean you you certainly trusted him because you did it twice I I hated how they finished the regulation it worked you don't complain about Big Twelve wins go for the effing touchdown my thought and Houston um. Another kick to send it to overtime. Yeah. I, th- there have been a, multiple moments in the Jones yes. where I'm like, I don't know if I can watch. Yeah. And Trey was like, yeah, I'll just I'll just go out there and nail it. Was that uh, – and his first kick against um, 
Houston. They switched. They went away from him. He missed. They went to Gino Garcia. Yeah. Gino Garcia missed. They went back to Trey Wolf. But I think there maybe a Murray State kick he missed that was like way short. I thought it was and only then, Houston, but maybe it was get, back to Murray who State. Who did he get iced against and then hit the next one? Was that Dave Aranda? Was that Baylor? I do not remember. Where he got iced and missed way short. <laughs> and then and then they called it again and he yeah. nailed it. Or West Virginia, maybe. Either way. Either way. Was really good this year, all year long. Multiple amazing kicks. Yeah. You didn't have a 62-yarder, but just the the importance of each one and the pressure. is like, I don't care if this is a 30-yarder or a 60-yarder. It's yeah. a tough kick to make in that moment. And he always makes them. All right. I did just want to get that little shot in on Joey for not for being aggressive all season long and then just playing for the field goal. I thought that was weird, but it worked. End of the game. My ain't no curses story. Yes. I was I was not alone because Jackson, like I said, um, he came down a few rows and joined me. Yeah, future phase three rider. He um he and I had some moments. He's not like you. He's not soft. Where I can shove him and punch him after a big play, and he'll do it back. Yeah. What? He won't go complain about it. To I didn't complain. Anyway, so I'm having a fun time doing that with Jackson. But there's also this guy, the row behind me, a few seats down. I think he was alone. Older gentleman. If you know this guy, by the way, if this is like your uncle or friend or coworker, let me know. But I, I go down to him. No, early in the game, when they put in Jalen Hutchings, I was like, give Jalen the ball. Like, don't yeah. just put him in the block. Give Jalen the ball. Yeah. And they when did. They threw to him and they named Yeah, him, so. they, they wanted to get him a touchdown. Hey, shout out to the Fastly. And so I'm, I'm so, yelling. I put Fastly on Twitter, and some guy was just like, it's just athlete, man. <laughs> it's like, dude. You don't know the bit. Come on. Screw off. So th- this guy. Screw him. Here's me hollering, you know, give it to Jalen, give it to Jalen. Yeah. And then it was a quick kind of handoff and then just like a dog pile. Yep. And the guy kind of walks down to me. He's like, did, was they, did they give it to Jalen? I was like, yeah, big man touchdown. He's like, all right. He goes, good call, good call. <laughs> so that was like second quarter, I think. Yeah. Fourth quarter comes around. I think this is when it's 48-45. And I, and I talked to this guy a lot during the Texas games and the Houston games. And I walk over to him during the time. I was like, dude, I don't know if I can do another overtime game. Like, these are so stressful. <laughs> And he goes, he goes, no, we're not going to overtime. Like, we're going to score here, no overtime. And I'm like, okay, you know, from, four full minutes from your lips to God's ears. Yeah. And it becomes apparent after Trey Wolf makes it that we're going to overtime. And he comes back down and he goes, well, I guess we're going to overtime. I said, yeah, just like you called it. <laughs> and he goes, we were doing really good uh, when I was watching the game at the Fraser. Maybe I should go back. And I said, hey, ain't no curses. And he goes, I like that. I like that. And it goes to overtime. Yeah. OU wins the coin t- or we win the coin toss. OU gets the ball. And he 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 goes, I'm gonna go watch at the Frazier. I was like, all right, you know, suit yourself. And I wish I could have seen him after the games, but he he leaves yeah. and we win the game. And I was like, man, I wish I could thank him for, for leaving. If there are curses and jinxes <laughs> for going to watch at the Frazier because yeah. well, maybe, I hope he got over there because it all happened it pretty quick. Yeah. So anyway. Oh man. I still don't believe in jinxes and curses, but maybe maybe it worked for that guy. No, and I, I just, again, in-game stuff, I don't know how you won that game. I think Joey outcoached Brent Venables in a lot of ways just because Brent sucks so bad during the game. Um, but, man, lots of lots of big plays from guys you don't generally get big plays from. I mean, Vidal Scott, no. twice in overtime, in a row, it, it just... 
really, really cool. And Adatare gets the big tackle late. Duh. So, all right. Uh, quarterback situation? Yeah, or do you have one, one more thing. If you're a Texas fan or an A&M fan, do not text me as the clock is hitting all zeros no. to talk about storming the field. No. Maybe if you won more than five games in a season, Aggies fans, and you all have to worry about when it's appropriate to storm the field and when it's not to. But until you beat App State, I just don't want to hear it. They didn't storm against LSU. Okay, cool. Good for Did them. They? I don't no, know. No, I'm asking. I don't Was care. Was anybody left? I don't care. That's the thing. It's like, go win or lose your games. I don't care. Yeah. Quit texting me in the moment as Tech is winning a big game to right. tell me that it's not actually a big game. Go Did, worry about yourself. Did you send them the rent free? I said, cry more. And then they're like, well, you know, maybe you should act like you've been there before. And I said, cry more. He said, well, I just don't get it because I said, you don't have to get it. Yeah, you don't. Cry more. You don't have to get it. I'm not asking you to understand it or persuading you that storming the field is good or bad or indifferent. You're worried about what Texas Tech is doing. I don't care what A&M and UT are doing. We don't even think about you. If A&M wanted to play us in one of these bowl games, maybe we'd have a head-to-head to talk about, but we don't. We have a head-to-head to talk about with Texas this year. Well, they didn't make a bowl game. We finished with a winning record in conference play. Maybe... Certainly that's beneath a program like Texas that was 5-7 and seven last year and lost to Kansas. Right. Certainly that's beneath a program like Texas A&M that's 5-7 and seven this year, not going bowling, lost to App State. Yeah. But here at little old Texas Tech, we celebrate having a winning record in conference play. So yeah. s- sue me, and then cry more, and then quit texting me. Yeah. How's that? All of those. Okay, quarterback situation. You're not that guy, pal. I was going to. Uh, quarterback You're not situation. That guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. And then that should segue nicely into kind of a end of regular season bookend and all that good stuff. Yeah, how do you want to? Because look, four and four and four. Three guys started four games. Murray State finished two and nine. And again, hey, look, I'm just (laughs) underdog. I'm just giving stats here, okay? I'm not giving any kind of opinion. Careful. I'm just giving some facts in a row. Because somebody okay? will interpret your facts emotionally and tell you that what you actually meant to say or what yeah. you did say was right. actually this instead of that. But yeah. go ahead. That happens all the time on this podcast. Go off, King. No, no I'm not. Even, I, that wasn't a shot at you. That's no, a I'm shot at you. No, I'm saying you do that. <laughs> okay, well, then it was a shot at you. Screw you, Rob. <laughs> all right. 4-4-4. Um, four, four, four. Those are four games started by each quarterback. Tyler Shuck went 4-0. Donovan Smith went two and two. Baron Morton went one and three. Tyler Shuck got to start against Murray State and played one quarter, and they won that game. Who cares? Who cares? Baron Morton started a quarter and a half against TCU, was in the game or even leading. Uh, then it fell apart late for Tyler Shuck. I think it was 10 to 7 when he left. Yeah. I could be wrong. Either way, it was close. Uh, Baron Morton and Chuck played far worse in that game than Morton did. Far worse. He was like three of twenty-eight. Uh, that's that was harsh, but he was not good. I think he was nine for twenty-two. Baron Morton's combined opponent records: thirty and eighteen, and that's with Oklahoma State at its peak, and they quit and fell off after you played. Them. Yeah, he played good, Oklahoma State. Donovan Smith's combined opponent record: thirty-two and sixteen. 32 and 16. I'm just presenting facts. Tyler Shuck's combined opponent record with a 2 and 9 Murray State, because I guess they only play 11 games, was 18 and 29. 
Could Baron Morton and Donovan Smith have beaten Kansas as the starter? Yeah. Houston. I think all three quarterbacks beat Houston. All three quarterbacks beat Houston. All three beat Murray State, of course. All three beat West Virginia. All three probably lose to Baylor with how you played that night. Yep. When you also you saw all three of them throw picks and be bad in that game. Yeah. Um, now, where I do want to give some due, not all three beat Texas, I don't think. You won that game because you did not have any turnovers offensively. And yep. that's credit to the whole unit, but Donovan was manning the ship that game. Yeah, and he made some really good decisions. All three probably lose on the road to NC State. I mean, Donovan played pretty bad that game. Yeah. Maybe Kansas State is where you can make the argument better quarterback play in the first half would have lent itself to a slightly different result. First quarter. So. Yeah. But but other things to consider. Tyler Shuck played Iowa State. They don't have a good record. But they're a really good defense. Yeah. And he's playing them with a wind chill of zero degrees. Well, and Tyler Shuck, I don't think, was the reason that that game is close. Yeah. I think there were a lot of – I mean, he had a turnover um, early, and there were some other issues. and I mean, he, he was pedestrian, but I thought he got the job done. That was kind of expected given the circumstances. Yeah. I wouldn't have – I don't think Morton or, or Shuck goes into that game and lights Iowa State up for 38. No, and it's two degrees outside and whatever else. So – but I think all three quarterbacks are very even, is what I'm trying to say. And Donovan's 2-2 two and two is the most impressive record. Um, Tyler Shuck's 4-0 is kind of an empty record to me. But it's 4-0, and, oh and you, can't, you can't avoid that. He people, won four games. People are also citing 7-1 and one going back to last year. I am not willing to just dole out a ton of credit for the quarterback or the team beating no. Stephen F. Austin late in the fourth quarter. Right. That's not a, impressive to on me. On a fourth down stop in the red zone. It's not impressive to me. No, and he was and really bad in that he game. He had Florida International. Houston. I mean, that was his best game. He played pretty good yeah. against Houston, but again, was it so much better than Donovan or Morton in today's context could have played? I don't think so. When Shuck in games he started and completed his 6-0. and But again, that's Houston, uh, Florida International, and Stephen F. Austin are three of those. And, and then, then Kansas, Iowa State, and and OU and OU. Oh, OU finished six and six, by the way. Yeah, three and six in the Big Twelve. They won one out of every three games in the Big Twelve, with more resources and talent than all but one of their opponents. Well, they had a lot of talent transfer out, but yes, certainly on the resources. Even what remained. Oh yeah, I, I agree. And um, a, and a head coach, pretty handpicked head coach who was too good to ever take the head coaching job at Kansas State or Texas Tech. Yeah. So. I, again, am just presenting facts. But my eye test also says that if I'm moving forward and I get to handpick one quarterback, I would pick Baron Morton. So I agree as the full-time starter. I think it should be Morton going forward. Yes. His ceiling is clearly the highest. Now you can make the argument that at this point in time, he wouldn't take care of the ball as well as Shuck would. But even that, I would push back. Because, like, okay, yeah. Shuck put one turnover on tape the last three games, but it could have been five. Yeah, pretty easily. So, uh, I, I'll just go back to the Oklahoma State game. Before Morton tweaked his ankle right before halftime, he put some plays on tape during that game that would be hard for 
a lot of Power 5 quarterbacks to replicate. Yep. With some coaching, with some experience, I think that's the way forward. And time in the system. Time in the system. I do think Donovan would be an outstanding Swiss Army Knife player who also serves as your full-time backup quarterback. Yep. And if there's any way you can convince him to stay in that role, I would love to see it. But if we're talking full-time starter of the three, give me Morton. I agree. And you know what? If Tyler Shuck and Baron Morton were both on campus next year and Tyler Shuck was the starter, I would ride for Tyler Shuck. Um, but if Tyler Shuck comes back and Baron Morton transfers, I I will think I'll I'll be of the mindset that you sacrifice two years for one of Tyler Shuck. If you're going to throw to the sideline ten or twelve times a game, yeah, Shuck is not the right guy for that. No, and, we, and we've again, just seen it get picked off or almost get picked off too many times. Whereas Morton can catch it like a shortstop turning a double play, flick it out there side armed, and no issues with it. Yeah, and same same with Donovan. By the way, he's better at the sideline throw than Shuck is. Yes. Well, both of them hit those on time, and and Tyler Shuck does not hit them on time. He throws them late and and floats them. Again. I think Tyler Shuck played really well to finish these three seasons, but in my opinion, I, I, I haven't changed my opinion. I think he's the third best quarterback on the roster, and I think if Donovan Smith went two and two against the three teams he played against, you don't think he could have gone three and zero oh against these three teams? Right. Even last year, you know, a, a, a year shy of his current development, maturity level, experience, you don't think he could beat. Florida International on that night? Are he, you kidding me? He almost beat uh, Baylor last year. Yeah. Who Top 10 on the road. Yes. And if Garibay had missed his first field goal of the year. Going to overtime. He would have gone to overtime. So I, I'm with you. I, I really think Donovan Smith, based on what we saw last night of them utilizing. Well, they finally used the all three quarterbacks, except not Barron. <laughs> but to to their point, that's probably what they were talking about early. But before last night, that was like Baron Morton lining up at tight end, going in motion and doing nothing. Right. Last night, Donovan Smith took a direct snap, ran it in for a touchdown. We know he can throw the ball. Like he's he's a full time quarterback. Yeah. He caught a pass. Yes. Lining up at receiver, he went out for a route out of the backfield, lining up at running back. He threw lead blocks at running back uh, for Roderick's touchdown. It got me thinking he could be a guy if he comes back next year. He could throw for two or three touchdowns. He could run for five or six touchdowns, and he could catch two or three touchdowns. Yes. He could be a guy with 50 carries. Yeah. Let's call it 25 receptions. And if needed, either in a full-time role because the starter gets hurt or on gadget plays, he can throw the ball. And he could play 25 to 30 offensive snaps every single game. He would be immensely valuable. And he could legitimately line up. At Jaron Brand- Jaron Bradley's position, Tyler Shuck's position, Sir Roderick Thompson's position, any of the tight end, positions. tight end, yes. you could put him at any of the skill spots. Yes, like you can't put. I mean, I guess they did put Baron Morton at tight end for a play. No, but that's not. No, it's different. I mean, they put him there, but and they put Shuck out wide in the Wildcat to like line up at receiver, but like Donovan Smith was a 15 second 110 meter hurdler in high school, and he played he played wide receiver. He started at wide receiver for Bishop Gorman. For Tate Martell. We have seen him run over defensive backs and linebackers. Yeah. I think there is a world of creativity that he could be utilized as a Taysom Hill type Swiss Army Knife gadget player. Not on one or two trick plays. 
You could even no, script as a, part of the offense. You could even script a full drive for him at quarterback if you wanted to. And you could tempo with him if you just don't make him throw deep every time. He would be immensely valuable. Yes. And I hope that he would sign on to stay in that position. But I also understand if he wants to say, I want to be a full-time starter at quarterback, and if he needs to go somewhere else to do that, I would understand it. Can we that, listen and react to Tyler Shucks? Sorry. As much as I want him to stay. Absolutely. When so I said something to the effect of that on Twitter and was like, are you are you seriously saying you want him to give up starter reps for yada yada? Yes. Because, for one, I'm a selfish human being and I want what's best for Texas Tech. And what's best for Texas Tech is, in my opinion, for Baron Morton to be the starting quarterback and for Donovan Smith to take eyeballs off of everyone else in the red zone like he did last night. There's also something to be said for his professional prospects. Could he be a full-time starter in the NFL at quarterback? No. Could he be an emergency quarterback who can also line up at receiver, tight end, running back, play Taysom Hill type role in the NFL? Yes, he could. Yes. And is that, is that a niche role to carve out? Yeah. Are you going to get drafted in the third round doing that? No. But we've seen the NFL kind of a, adapt, and guys get drafted as nickel slot corners. Yep. Would an NFL team invite him to camp, give him a permanent 53-man roster spot if he could do all those things well? I think so. If he put on tape, I can lead block. I can throw the football, obviously. I can catch it. I can, I can run catch, with it. run. Especially if you've got a guy like, a, like like Tua. You're not going to do quarterback run game with Tua. Right. So if Donovan is your emergency quarterback, like your third quarterback on the roster, but could also play some other things, maybe some special teams, he might be able to cast checks in the NFL. And, again, that's a very, very niche, narrow role to carve out for yourself. But I think his pro prospects are better doing that than saying – you know, I'm going to throw it 40 times a game in the NFL. I don't think he has a future doing that. Yeah. All right. Do you want to react to Tyler Shuck? Yeah. His comments were interesting. All right. This is Don Williams asking Tyler Shuck in the post game a valuable question, in my opinion. Tyler, the last three weeks, three starts for you, three victories. Um, a lot of people doubted you and believed that, frankly, that Tyler Shuck, that they had seen the last of Tyler Shuck as Texas Tech quarterback. Mm-hmm after you got hurt again this year. Mm-hmm. How does it feel to you to, or how much motivation has that been for you to prove people wrong and that your demise was <laughs> exaggerated? Yeah, I mean, I didn't really care at all because I knew that they were going to be proved wrong anyways, especially people on staff too. A lot of people in this building down the hall didn't believe me either. So, you know, screw them because I know that what we're going to, what we're going to do and I believe my teammates, especially all the fans and a lot of the media, it doesn't really matter just because I knew I was going to get my opportunity, um, especially the way we were playing. I was going to have a chance and, uh, you know, whatever, what's next. Do you, can, are you ready to say what your plans are for next year? I'm still kind of deciding, you know, um, probably in the next couple of weeks. A bit jarring. A bit? If After he, that game, a if bit he, jarring. If he had said, yeah, there were some doubters, screw them. But – to say screw him right after referencing people on staff and people down the hall in the building, yeah, was a little bit like, okay, who is he talking about, and what is he talking about? Is he talking about an athletic trainer saying you might not be able to play again this year? Right. Is he it, talking it, about walking into a conversation and two water boys who were talking about how Chuck Chuck was washed? It's confusing though because ever since he got here, he's been named the starter, and so I have a hard time believing that by three different off- offensive coordinators after being named QB one. That somebody went and was like, hey, man, we, we doubt you, and yeah. there's no way you can be the starter at Texas Tech. Right. Is this like a manufactured deal in his own mind to keep himself motivated? 
And then, like, it was weird. Right after those jarring comments, confusing comments, he references the brand. What's next? Right. And talking about his teammates. And so, like, you kind of like to hear half of that. And then the other half, you're kind of scratching your head, like, what is this? Yeah. I texted you the clip, and I said, I don't know if I love this or hate it. Because in some respects, I've really come around on Tyler Shuck over the last, you know, two or three weeks. But I don't think anything he's done has just slammed the door on that nobody else can question why he was QB1 to start the season. Right? I mean, our, our first glimpses of Tyler Shuck this year, after the Murray State injury, he comes in at the end of the Baylor game, throws a pick six. Yeah. He comes in versus TCU and plays pretty dreadful. Yeah. And then rattles off some solid performances where he helped you in some ball games, And like you said, for that, we're thankful. We tip our hat to him. But it's just, it, it would have made more sense, and it still wouldn't have been great tact had Donovan said, you know, the staff didn't believe in me. Right. Because he wasn't named the starting quarterback. Right. Shuck was. And then he was arguably healthy against Oklahoma State and benched for Baron Morton. And Shuck also, when Perrin went down for CCU, the staff had the opportunity to give Donovan the nod. Yep. And they gave it to Shuck. And so that's where I'm just confused. Where is this coming? Who told you, no, you can't do this? Right. No, we don't believe in you. To, to me, I would probably lean toward, I don't know, an intern or something that, that might have said something. Um, but it wasn't one of the 11 assistants, in my opinion. Um, I, I don't know. It just it felt weird at the very least. And kind of like a me move after that win to throw random ambiguous staff under the bus. Um, but but again, it- I, I, I like it, but I hate it. Had he left it at fans and media, even if yes. he had said screw them to the fans. 100%. I would normally not endorse that, but honestly, some fans, as much as they chirp directly to players on Twitter. Oh, they deserve it. Or boo guys on the field. Yeah. It's like, okay, if he proves you wrong, then he has every right to say screw you. And if he would have said that Rob Bro guy from Gamble and Gauchos and the Rob Bro show on KKM from on weekdays, one to one to two, he would have said screw that guy because he doesn't believe in me, I would have said fine. That's your That's your right to say that to me because I've said a lot of things about you. I but I don't know just I I don't like bringing inner locker room conflict to a press conference. Yeah. And I don't know that there's any locker room conflict between Chuck and the staff, but now would we have had this conversation without that press conference? And if he wants to be the starter here next year, is that the right foot to start the offseason on? And, and I know we still have a bowl game and everything, no. but if he's if his mentality is the people in this building down the hall don't believe in me, so screw them, which I'm quoting him. Right. Why would he stay and try to be the starter here? That, that to me sounds like a guy who is either going to maybe try his hand pro yeah. or go play somewhere else for a year. I, I do not think that Tyler Shuck will transfer, though I do believe he was a grad transfer initially, so he could transfer for one year and go play somewhere. Immediately. He might even have two years left. Whatever it is. But yeah. Um but I it didn't I, it didn't sound like a guy coming back to be the starter here next year. No. No, it didn't. Is the main point. And if we're gonna be discussing which of these three quarterbacks needs to be named the starter going into the offseason after spring ball, it's it's fodder that is uh that, that plays into that conversation. Well, I was gonna say if he's the bold quarterback, 
he could go throw for 400 yards on anybody um, and then announce that he's going to go play in the whatever Army, Navy, North, South Bowl and, and go to the, the NFL. Um, if, if Baron Morton is playing in the bowl game, though, like Tyler Shook won't be on the roster, right? He'll enter the portal. I, I don't know. It's just is is weird. Um, who would you start in the bowl game? If he's healthy, Baron Morton. I I want to start the guy who's going to be the quarterback next year. I've said that all year long. And it was never a, I think Tyler Shuck is awful. I just don't think Tyler Shuck is a step above any of the other quarterbacks on the roster. So I'd rather play somebody who's going to be here for the long haul, who's in it for the long haul. And that has always felt like Baron Morton or Donovan Smith to me and not Tyler Shuck, who I always thought came here to be a hired gun for one season for himself and then to go to the NFL. And I don't blame him for that. And I think he came back and was very good for for three weeks. But that comment just rubbed me the wrong way mostly. I also kind of respect it. I, I am conflicted on it. Yeah, I like the motivation piece. And again, if you said media, fans, yeah. haters, doubters, screw them, I'd be like, okay, yeah. But it just it made me question how stable are things if he's saying – yeah, people in this building down the hall, and he used the word staff. Yeah, when you know anybody could be staff. Again, it, it could be two interns, or it could also be how he perceived it. It could be a perception thing that nobody ever said anything to it him. Do, yeah, it doesn't mean that Joey or Kitley said, "Hey, we don't believe in you." But if he perceived like, "Hey, I'm ready to go. My shoulders ready," and y'all are still trotting Baron Morton out there. Was he healthy two weeks earlier? Was he healthy against West Virginia, like was originally predicted? Probably. That, that they, was coming off the bye. And they started Baron Morton for two more weeks, and mm-hmm. he thought he should have been the starter against West Virginia and Baylor. And then he finally came in and saved the season like a, like a like the White Knight or the caped-up Superman, even though they played the three worst Big 12 teams and he beat them. I don't By know. the way, football is a team game. What? <laughs> I just saw we've quoted a lot of quarterback win stats, and, and we I've seen yeah. it a bunch on Twitter today. Football is a team game. Yeah, so so Tyler Shuck at Texas Tech seven and one in game started. Patrick Mahomes was yeah. thir- thirteen and nineteen. Tyler or, Shuck's a better whatever. quarterback. Yeah, so Tyler Shuck's a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah. Like you can dog all these guys for wins losses, but yeah, Iowa State they needed eleven points to win, and OU they needed forty nine points to win, and Tyler Shuck was the quarterback for both of those games. Different, yeah, completely different. By the way, and I, I, a lot of this is involved. We're kind of burning through the Discord mailbag just unintentionally, but I think somebody else was asking most improved units or or position groups. I do want to shout out the offensive line because I think they played worst, worst defenses as they went along, um, or at least worst defensive lines, but they also improved and looked a lot better even against Iowa State all the way through. And I thought they really improved – uh, let's say after the Kansas State game, which I thought was their last bad game. When Donovan Smith, oh, the Baylor game is bad. When Donovan Smith got sacked eight times versus Houston, and turned the ball over three times, and fumbled but recovered another time or two. Yeah. In the past game, do you know why I didn't say? Do you know why I didn't start the run the damn ball campaign at that point in time? Because you didn't believe in the offensive line. Because they averaged two point seven yards per carry that game. Yeah. That was also not an option. I said that weird. They didn't give you any reason to believe in them, and the facts and analysis and numbers didn't 
didn't back up your claim like it did later in the season because they improved. Yeah, so I, I didn't have an alternative to what they were doing. I was like, well, this right. might just be who you are. But they got better in pass protection. Yeah. And they got better running the ball Yes, as well. Um, or, or maybe they didn't even get better running the ball, but they were asked to do it more often as the season went on, and they answered the call. They said, right. hey, we need to run block 45 times a game instead of 25. And they said, okay. So I think that position group, by far, based on where they started, that was like the glaring weakness on the team Yeah, through the first three games of the season. Running back, I thought, was pretty even all year. Wide receivers, there's a lot of turnover. Adrian Bradley, obviously, I think I mean, he started as a starter and had his best game of the year as the, the year finishes. Uh, it was also great against Houston. He was going off against TCU before he yeah. got targeted. Yeah, so... Really excited about some of these young guys on offense. Uh, Cameron Valdez, who didn't get a carry against um, Oklahoma, but looked pretty good otherwise. Okay, let's talk season, regular season, perspectives and takeaways. If you've been on Twitter, you've seen all the first since, most since, best since. I'll rattle through some of them. This is your first winning record in conference play since 2009. First time finishing in the top half of the standings alone since 2009. First time you beat Texas and OU in the same season ever. Um, most wins at the Jones since 08 or 09. You had, you had six. You went six and one this year. And Nobody else in the Big 12 won more than six. Yeah, which is funny because when I tweeted that verbatim, somebody was like, well, this is technically correct, but other schools have just as many as you. And I was like, yeah, that's why it's worded. Yeah. It doesn't say Texas Tech has more than everybody else. It says nobody else has more than Texas Tech. Interesting how that works. Right. And because TCU, I guess, played an extra road game somewhere. No, you played an extra home game. You usually play six. You played right. seven this year. And then Baylor fans are like, well, who was the one loss in Lubbock? You guys, for the first time in... Since 1990. Since Mao Zedong's yeah. wife died. Who? Mao Zedong's wife. What? Right? I don't know what you're talking about. Who is um, Mao Zedong? Mao Zedong, the Chinese dictator. <laughs> you don't know who Mao is? Yes. I, was just I need to double Mao check Zedong. my Baylor facts. Mao Zedong. Ma- that's how it's pronounced. Mao. Mao Zedong. Yes. But I just Rob heard it Bro. All, but I heard it all as one word. Who's Rob Bro? Right. Rob Bro. Yeah. Anyways, um, you don't need to check. I, anyway, I'm back. So they were real happy about that, and I'll remind Baylor fans: head to head is a great tiebreaker. Alas, we did not finish tied with y'all. We're right. way up here at seven and five. Y'all are down here at six and six. We're winning record in conference play, something your head coach doesn't have through three years. And they were they were picked to win the conference. Yes. Underachievers. Yeah. We're overachievers. Right. We are not the same. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. So, a lot of home wins in Lubbock. Great season. by all. And so, I tweeted these. You were three and four straight up as an underdog. That's a really good record. If you're close to 500 as an underdog... Yeah, and, you can uh, do some damage. Uh, a lot of those, the first four of them, I think, were double-digit underdogs. Yeah, NC State was, I think, about between 10 or 14, yeah. if I recall correctly. I guess three out of four, because Tex- you, you weren't that long against Texas. Texas was seven, maybe with a hook, seven and a half. Uh, K-State was, I think, seven plus. No, that was closer to 10. Oklahoma State was... 10, I think, flat. Eight, eight to 10. So, yeah, three and four, I won't... In year one, rotating three quarterbacks, your season win total over-under was five and a half. Beat that by a game and a half. 
You went four and one as a favorite. Again, the loss to Baylor. By any, you were picked ninth. Poor timing. Picked ninth, finished fourth. By any data point metric you want to list, you punched above your weight. You exceeded expectations. And there's always some guys like, well, I think we should have gone nine and three. Well, too damn bad. Your opinion doesn't really matter because yeah. all these objective uh, analytics, the odds makers, the media had you at five and a half wins, maybe, give or take. You were only favored to win five games, and you won seven. Yeah. Well, a lot of people you thought you'd finish 10th. Well, back when Mike Leach was head coach, we won 10. Well, cool. Yeah, this isn't Mike Leach, and it's year one. Some people are completely devoid of perspective and context, and when you go yeah. 12 straight seasons without a winning record in conference play and all these other things we just rattled off, to finally do it is a huge step in the right direction. Well, I bet Clemson doesn't celebrate 7-5. Well, no, uh, surely they don't, but you're not Clemson. I guess some people need a fact check in that yeah. respect. Maybe someday you'll build up to that. Well, and in five years, if you have this season again, it's not Nobody's going to be pounding their chest about it. No. But when you've been eighth in the Big 12 out of yes. 10 for the last decade, maybe ninth? And if you have this exact season next year, it's the first time you had a Big 12 winning record since last year. Yeah, not 2009. We're just, I'm sorry, we're not too good as a program or as a fan base to turn our nose up at a winning conference record. No. Dave Aranda through three seasons doesn't have a winning record in Big 12 play. Some coaches, some Big 12 or, Collectively. or, or Big 8 coaches yeah. in their first season who did not have a winning record in conference play. I'm just going to rattle off a few. Matt Rule, hired by the NFL, hired by Nebraska. Art Bryles, off the field, of course, disaster. On the field, good coach, successful program at Baylor. Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell, the guy until this season everybody wanted to hire away. Uh, Bill Snyder, when he's when he orchestrated the K-State turnaround. Year one, they did not have a winning record in the Big 8. Gary Patterson, when TCU joined the Big 12 in his first year of conference play, they did not have a winning record. I'm, I think I'm missing other uh, – I think Chris Kleiman did. It's a big deal in year one. Yes, and for everybody that wanted to give Cliff like 12 years to figure it out, and I was saying, no, you should know by year two or year three, we know in year one that this hire was a success. And you did it with the same Mike players. Mike Gundy did not have a winning record his first year in the Big 12. You did it with the same players that couldn't do it the previous years. And then I saw this take. Well, a lot of coin flip type games that if they go the other way, I don't want to hear that because every losing season you've had, under Cliff and Wells, are, well, if we just make a couple field yes. goals, if a couple calls go the other way, if the refs don't screw us, we're actually eight and four. Y'all wanted to play that game for a decade. We're not playing it in reverse. No. When you win the close games, so I don't want to hear. I don't care if they're all in overtime. If you go twelve and zero and they're all overtime, sign me up. Yes. Uh, who's the last Texas Tech coach to win three overtime games in a season at Tech? I I do not know the answer. I have to do some research. It might have never happened because overtime wasn't a thing until the. 2000s, the 90s? I mean, yeah. you used to tie games a quarter century ago. And then has that even happened in basketball? I remember playing a lot of overtime games Chris Beard's first year, but I think he lost a lot of them. He was not good in overtime. Yeah. So, so I would all, assume not. All that to say, I'm not sure the, the impulse to rain on the parade here. And I get that in a vacuum. Like, look, when we show up to the first game in the Jones next season, they're not going to unfurl some banner that says 7-5. and five. No. Five and four in Big 12 play. No. But if you're a reasonable person who's following things like program trajectory 
and history over the last 12 years, you would understand that you took a step in the right direction. That's all anybody is celebrating. Just like if we take a step in the right, the right direction next year and go 9-3, and three, I'm not going to be like, well, could have won 10 games if you hadn't blown the one against so-and-so. I'll say, great, we're still trending in the right direction. And off the field, you're recruiting better than you have in a decade. So I just, I just don't get it. I don't get why some fans have to be that way. I mean, I kind of do because some of them just piss and moan no matter what happens. Well, that's just how they live their lives. Yes. They're miserable pricks who okay. sit around, sorry, who sit around and are just miserable in their own lives and probably hate their kids and just nothing's ever good enough. And that's just how they live. It's probably some boomer or some 18 year old kid who thinks he's 40. It's like you won. Just li- live and celebrate your small victories. Because, yes, 7-5 and five is a small freaking victory. But you know what it is? It's a victory that you hadn't had since 2009. Right. A conference-winning record. Like, these relative milestones that you can look at for this year and be happy with. And, again, if you do it next year, it's not a milestone anymore. Right. It's just the, a, the standard. But it has not been your standard in Lubbock for the last 15 years. By the way, worst holding call I have ever seen just happened in the uh, Green Bay game. I missed it. But also, Baylor... I'm sorry for calling you a prick, but you were being a prick on Twitter. I don't even know who you are. I I said this at the time. You know what? I'm not sorry because it's true. Don't be so miserable. (laughs) That I was proud of myself for baiting Baylor into pounding their chest over winning a game for the first time in 32 years. Well, okay, their season is over. They're coming off a Big 12 championship, a Sugar Bowl championship. They went 6-6, and 4-5 and in conference play. All they have to hang their hat on is that they won a game in Lubbock. You were their Super Bowl. Yeah. That's what somebody called me and told me on Saturday. At least you're not there, right? Right. At least you're not one year removed from a Big 12 title and a New Year's 6 win saying, well, at least we won a game in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. And – so OU fans are like, well, congrats on beating the worst OU team in 20 years. Okay, y'all sucked in 2014 and we lost to you. Yeah. And Texas sucked in 2014 and we lost to them. Yep. So y'all are both bowl teams this year. Neither one of you is an elite Big 12 title contender, New Year's 6 contender. But we didn't used to beat you even when you were mediocre or bad, and we beat you this year. So cry more. Cry more. I offer no apologies for celebrating a 7-5 and five season in this context. To your point, three years from now, when you're loaded with four straight top 35 classes, I'm not going to be pounding my chest over no. seven and five. And I guarantee you, when the gambling gauchos are talking about this is a gauchos guarantee, a six year future, and we're still doing this thing, and something happens, and you have a, a six and six record or whatever, and we're like, oh, you know what, that was bad. Or you go eight and four for the fifth time in a row. You're like, man. Really wish you could take the second step. I'd like to turn the corner. Oh, you guys were celebrating seven and five. Yeah, we no, were. It's a different thing. Yeah. We it's were. That was then. This it's is now. It's called a milestone. Okay. And you passed a bunch of them. You passed a damn load of milestones. And in five years, when you're going eight and four every year and punching up still, it's going to be a different standard. Today's standard is different than five years from now standard. Alabama finished 10 and two this year. They didn't win their division. They didn't win their conference. Are, are their fans happy? No. If you finished ten and two this year, Broadway would have been lit on fire. Yeah, and rightfully so. So not every seven and five season is the same. Not every five and four season in conference play is the same. Are right, you want to do a 
Mailbag? Diversify Lenders Mailbag? One more thing. Okay. I tweeted, I was leaning into this. Uh-huh. That As you, you do. That you have, that nobody in the Big 12 has more wins at home than you do this season. Mm-hmm. And I quoted our good friend Joey McGuire said, everything runs through Lubbock. Oh, yes. 95% it was well received. Uh-huh. A lot of retweets, a lot of likes. A Texas fan quote tweeted, all they said was, Jesus. Texas fans are still not over Joey oh, McGuire's yeah. post-game speech, and they never will be. Rent-free. And very rent-free. And I hate that phrase, but they are rent-free. They actually do it. Yes. And honestly, some Tech fans, UT lives rent-free in their minds. Oh, a lot of Tech fans, yeah. But it's also true the other way sometimes. Yes. So I'm leaning into it, but I'm like, hey, if you want us to quit saying that or you want to prove them wrong, then win a game in Lubbock. Mm-hmm. And somebody, somebody sent a screenshot of the Big 12 standing showing that you're fourth. Which, by the way, I'm cool with that. That's higher awesome. than you finish. Great. Awesome. And they said, well, you know, looks like a lot of people ran through. I said, none of the top three teams that finished ahead of you won a game in Lubbock this year. Come beat us in Lubbock. Well, what? That's awesome. What? <laughs> I mean, it's true. It is true. Were you about to try to correct me? No. Only one of them played here, but right. nobody beat. Like, okay. I was just going to ask some context, but I didn't want to. Nobody That's playing true. for a Big 12 title this season won one in Lubbock to get there. Yeah. So I'll quit saying it when yeah. people come start winning games in Lubbock. And Baylor did as an isolated incident. Head-to-head is a tiebreaker. You're not tied with Baylor. That win for them did pretty much nothing other than salvage a bowl game. So Credit. congrats to Baylor. Credit to Baylor. Anybody else, miss me with it. Come beat us in Lubbock and then say whatever you want about that quote. Until then, though, we have just as many home wins as you do, so everything runs through Lubbock. And if TCU fans want to say everything runs through Fort Worth, go right on ahead. I won't disagree with you. It's true this year. It's true this year. Come beat us in Lubbock, and then, then we'll talk. But sad news for the haters and losers. It's only going to trend up from here. It's only going to get harder to beat us here. Joey McGuire with the worst roster he'll ever have went 6-1 and one in Lubbock. So good luck to you. Live, laugh, love, and by golly, storm the field and enjoy the memories made along the way. That's from a listener there. Love y'all. Um, all right, diversified letters, Melbourne. Let's do it. Um, okay, so I I actually asked for questions twice this week. So I'm going to go through some of those two because it was really good. Some of these, like you said, we might have already addressed. Right. Um, let's see. Now, you can't say Cincinnati, but you have to change school colors with another Big 12 school. Who would you choose? Well, I did say Cincinnati did in Discord. In the, in the Discord. Before I answer that, if you want to ask a question in the Discord mailbag, Gauchos guarantee that we will read them and answer them if you ask a question. Yeah. If you send us 10 paragraphs of text and there's no question, we won't read it. If you want to do that, patreon.com slash gamblinggauchos. Shout out to Chuck. Any other school colors? I like, I like Baylor's dark green and gold. I don't like their bastardized no, 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 no. green and mustard. Awful. Um, they don't even wear it well like the Packers do. Can I do like a future Big 12 school? Yeah, because I, al- I almost would want to say... Utah. BYU. Okay. You see what I did there? Utah. Future Big 12 school. Still red and black. black. I like red and black. I've yeah. got no qualms. I love how Kansas red, State white. does the purple and silver. I don't like how TCU does purple, white, and black. Um, I think West Virginia does good with the navy and gold. Yes. I would, I would almost say West Virginia. I, I think Baylor doing it right would be up there for me, unless I'm blanking. I don't like just the straight-up royal blue and red that Kansas does. If it was navy and red, I would do that. I like the navy and white of BYU. I don't like Iowa State's blue. mustard and dried blood. Am I wrong? No. 
I like BYU, though. I'd, I'd probably say BYU, Baylor, or West Virginia. I, honestly, it's not that different from red and black. I don't like Oklahoma State's. Arizona? Arizona, yeah. That's the dark dark blue and red. Yeah. Uh, would you rather fight a Kyle-sized bear or a bear-sized Kyle? I fight myself every day in a lot of ways. You know, push myself to be better. Yeah. So, there, Inside of us, there's, all, there's two Kyles. And the Kyle that you feed is the Kyle that... Sure. Are you going to answer, though? Because it's hard for me to answer because the question is about me, but would you rather fight a Kyle-sized bear or a bear-sized Kyle? I'd rather fight a bear-sized Kyle because I could kick your ass in any size. Bear-sized Kyle. Yeah, that's that's Rob Fiske. <laughs> that, that's Cap. A Kyle-sized bear whatever That's is. That's your Cap of the day right there. Yeah. Try it out. Try it out on uh, Twitch. That'd be good content. <laughs> you got to subscribe on Patreon if you want to see that. Go yeah. down. Oh, uh, we could probably get in a ring. Do some rough and rowdy. I I would feel bad doing that. Well, your chin would feel bad. I don't want to do that to you. Yeah. Especially not for the whole world to see. Um, let's see. I don't dance. I throw hands. All right. You can't buy Texas Tech, but whose stock are you buying for the next five years, and who are you selling? I I'll sell Oklahoma State immediately. That was a sell before the season. Yeah. So coming into the season, had you sold Baylor, OU, and Oklahoma State? And had you bought TCU, Kansas, Texas Tech, you were doing it right. Yep. Going forward over the next five years, this might be unpopular. I might sell Kansas at the current price point. Yeah. I They're not recruiting terribly well right now. No. I think it might be harder to sustain than they realize. I would probably hold Kansas State where they are. I would sell TCU just because of the price point. It's, yeah. it's hard to do much better than undefeated, right. probably conference champs, probably – uh, playoff, so. Um, but a good value buy. Who would I buy stock in? Um, West Virginia. I'm very high on that program. It's a floor. Yeah, you're buying at the floor. You're buying at their literal 50-year floor. They have not had back-to-back yeah. losing seasons since the 70s. That's a proud program. It's a proud fan base. They will do better in the next five years. Is um, let's see. When do we build the statue? Yeah, I asked for who. Yeah. He said Trey Wolf. Tomorrow? I, I don't care. <laughs> You're doing some renovations anyway. Put up a statue. I do want a kind of a Hall of Fame moments kind of thing in the south end zone. That even you could rotate. The Iowa State field goal. Yeah. The Crabtree catch. You could do several from Trey Wolf this year. Even just like some video projection content to put. Yeah. Like a little museum. Yeah. Uh, who's the quarterback in the bowl? I think we both said Morton earlier. Uh, that, that's who I want it to be. I think it'll probably be Tyler Shuck. I think so, too. Uh, and then for next season, I think we both said uh, Morton. Knee-jerk reactions, good and bad, to the season. I thought your offensive line sucked until about week six. And then I thought they really improved. And credit to Stephen Hamby. And credit to those guys because, especially Caleb Rogers, just looked bad. And I really, and I've said this a bunch, but I really feel like they got back on track. I only have very measured reactions that are full of perspective and. Sure. So I don't have any knee jerk reactions. Not even in the positive way, like Joey's going to win the Big 12 next year? How about this? Uh, it's not a reaction, but a take. Is it the fans who have dogpiled Zach Kidley all year? 
are kind of dumb. Yeah. I, I've criticized him. I haven't called for anybody to be fired. I haven't called anybody a dumbass. I haven't said anybody is in over their head. I've just questioned specific calls in specific moments. Same as I would do to his face. I would say, Coach, what were you thinking here? When you called this instead of that, what was the look they were giving you that prompted that? Other fans? And I asked after the game. I tweeted 50 Burger. I said, do any of you bozos still want to fire the OC? I saw that. And some people were like, oh, yeah, actually I do. Because he called it a speed option. Okay. We called 95 plays, and you disagreed with a couple of them? Speed option on third and two worked. They called it another time. I hated it. It looked like they were bringing the house. The middle of the field was wide open. Yep. I don't know why they ran a speed option, but that doesn't mean I want to fire Kitley. And, again, this is the worst roster this staff will ever have. Yeah. Give and him, that's not to say it's a bad roster. No, but it's just going to get better. Right. And so give him a quarterback who's played in it for two or three years instead of just one offseason. Yeah, why was Bailey Zappi so good? Yeah, he was with him back at Houston Baptist. Yeah, he was in the system for four years. And they played like a spring and a fall uh, during the COVID year. So, yeah, like, I am I guess I'm going to be way more patient than some of our fans. Yeah. I think a lot Would of you make any changes? criticism was stupid. Would I make any changes? No. Yeah, me neither. I think O-line improved a lot. I, I would be, I would be remiss to make, or, or reluctant to make changes after one year anyway, unless well, something like was just did. dreadful. Yeah, yeah, that would have necessitated it. But no. Uh, this is a question for me, and I've answered it. Is Tyler Shuck more than just a quarterback on the roster now? Three straight starts, three straight wins. No. Asked and answered. Right. Asked and answered. Uh, thoughts on the Shuck press conference? We did that. Uh. You had a you had a middle of the road Big Twelve offense and a middle of the road Big Twelve defense this year, which is more likely to jump to the top next year and how? Offense because last year's at Kitley and year one at Western Kentucky took them from 120th in total offense to seventh. That's 113 spots in one year. Give him the dudes that he needs and give his quarterback and the offensive line and the rest of the guys the time in the system. They're gonna. Yep. That, that's what I'm trying to tell people that are freaking yes. out after one year. Yeah. Like, wait until we're not rotating three quarterbacks who are all in year one of this system. Right. And it's going to get a lot better. Might be too far into the weeds based on who comes back where, but what matchups are you looking forward to most next year? Uh, I need to see a schedule. Yeah, we don't even know who we're playing. and Or where we're playing. So, give me the Big 12 schedule that's supposed to come out early in December. Uh, if... If you had to say now, give us a few options. Uh, Texas and Austin, one one final ride, because you can erase that 70 to 35 bullshit. Uh, Baylor rematch. I think Baylor – sorry, I just cussed again. Uh, I think <laughs> family program. At least he didn't drop an F-bomb like that guy on <laughs> shows After Dark. He did. That was a funny bleep. Yes, it was. It was a bleep <laughs> After Dark. All I said was gauchos, <laughs> just for the record. I think I got the gut uh, in there. Um – yeah, Baylor, I think. Uh, TCU, I think, is a good natural rivalry that's building. So, something to put on everybody's radar. Uh-huh. It is The teams that you play next year are not automatically going to be the opposite venue from this year. No, because that's how it's been, but... You have to reshuffle the deck. So, yeah. you might go to Fort Worth again, and Baylor might come here again. Yep. And any other... Houston might come here again as a conference opponent. So, even the sites are not necessarily 
guaranteed in terms of home or away. But yeah, Baylor and TCU would be two. I think those are both better rivalries than Oklahoma State. And I know we tried to make Oklahoma State happen this year. Um, you have to I lean into it, though, because Baylor and TCU are always oh, going to be each other's. You're, you're, you're the mistress to both of those rivalries. I think they both cared more about you this year than they cared about each other. I don't think so. I mean, we can keep trying to bait them into caring more. I, I mean, we're, we're the Super Bowl. Because uh, the, the Cactus and the 1990, 32-years thing, they they ate that up, and good for them. I'll, I'll lean into any rival. I'll give, oh, yeah. I'll give Houston fans a business. I'll yeah. give Oklahoma State fans a business. We do need a better trophy for the Baylor game. Yes. Yeah. Is that – I mean, I, could we get a different sponsor? I don't know when that finishes. Um, like like a diversified lenders trophy or something. Yeah, yeah. Best case bowl scenario. Best case Alamo Bowl. Yeah, they shock you and you you jump Texas for the Alamo Bowl invite after K State and TCU go New Year's Six. Yeah. Are you willing to concede that Texas is going to get the Alamo Bowl invite with how things have finished? Yes, I'm willing to be the bigger man and concede just now for the first time. <laughs> Not that I didn't do it the whole conversation we were having last time. Rob, high road bro. That's how he's always known. Always willing to concede. I never said they weren't. <laughs> I never said they weren't. I did. I never said that. I want to pull the 20 minutes of footage we have on this. I'll do it. You I'll just look. kept repeating it. And I was like, I understand what you're saying. You just keep repeating yourself. I don't know why you keep doing this. All right. But you're like, you're no, I'm just it. saying like Texas might not get the Alamo Bowl invite. It, it could happen. To, and I was like, no, they will. No. I'm going to go back and re-listen to that to see if I even remember it correctly because you've... One of us is not. Blown apart. Okay. Mom, just to clarify. Best case scenario. My stance has always been that no matter what happened the last week of the regular season, Texas would be very likely, if not certain, to get the Alamo Bowl invite. And my stance was, hey, it could be crazy and a lot of people could be 7-5. and five. Anyway, fast forward a week, my stance is that Texas is getting the Alamo Bowl invite. Your next slot is the Cheez-It Bowl. Somebody would have to jump you to get it, and I don't... I don't see a good case for it. If you were some tiny school with a small fan base that didn't travel well, then maybe. Or if somebody else finished the season stronger than you, then maybe. But none of that is true. Back up just a little bit. Okay. Regardless of what happens in the conference championship game, both of those teams are New, going New to Year's six. New Year's Six Bowls. Yeah. So you are... Alamo Bowl is the first invitation after that. So you are alone in second yes. in the pecking order because you're fourth. So if if um, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma especially had like come on really strong at the end of the year, was playing right. well, I could see them jumping you for that invite. I don't see it happening. No. So I think you'll go cheese it probably against either the loser of the ACC title game or maybe Florida State as like the third place ACC team. Yeah, you should get a really good brand name, a solid opponent in the Cheez It Bowl. That's best, best case. Best case scenario is any one of those three teams. Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. Best, best case scenario is Clemson, and here's why. I'm going to bring stuff full circle for our listeners. In 2002, uh-huh. you played Clemson in what was known as the Tangerine Bowl that later became, I think, the Citrus Bowl, then the Camping World Bowl, and now it's the Cheez-It Bowl. It's the, the bowl game played in Orlando, Florida. Right. You dog-stomped Clemson. Yes, you did. 20 years ago, and that was kind of the beginning of the Mike Leach era taking off, and you had a decade of really good success. Clemson was kind of down for a decade. Then they hired Dabo. Then they go to national prominence. 
it would be really cool to beat Clemson in that same bowl game 20 years later to mark another new chapter of Texas Tech football. I marched in the Tangerine Bowl. Piccolo? Yeah. Did you uh did you see Cliff directing the band after the game? It wasn't in that game. Oh, okay. In yeah. the Tangerine Bowl, but not No, no, no. It was it was the Tangerine Bowl, but not that Texas Tech game. Right. It was in 2006, 7. When was Tech playing in it? No. Oh, okay. No, we we just had planned to go there anyways. Okay. It was one of those 42 bands on the halftime yeah, yeah. right gotcha. now. Okay. So it was one of, you know, 100 piccolos. But I would take Mac Brown and North Carolina. They're 9 and 3. Really yeah. good offense, really bad defense. Florida State 9 and 3. Well, and to beat Texas, Oklahoma and Mac Brown in the same season would be I've heard you've never done that before in the better. same season. Um worst case bowl scenario. Personally, the Texas Bowl. Well, just because I don't want to go to Houston. Okay, you played in NRG a bunch of times, but it'd be an it'd be an easy trip for a lot of your fans. Yes, and it, it would be a good bowl. If you get, it would be an SEC team. If you get leapfrogged, I I really don't think you get leapfrogged twice. Yeah. If you do get leapfrogged twice and you don't make the Texas Bowl, it'd be Liberty against the SEC. And okay, so same bowl you were at last year. That's a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. And if you don't want to do that, then you'd fall one more slot to the guaranteed rate bowl. That's the worst case. Which but is I, fine. I just don't see that happening. You go to Phoenix, but you, you should be slotted well above that. Yeah. I think it's really cheese it or Texas Bowl. Uh, portal names to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm I'm not there yet. I'll, I'll let you know in a week or two. Anybody from Texas A&M? Do you want them? Xavier Worthy. <laughs> you laugh. Uh... I think you'd find a spot for him. I mean, he's probably going to USC. Why wouldn't you? I would also look at other guys from West Texas who might be unhappy with where they are. And I don't have anybody in mind. A little homesick. Yeah. Because that's what Joey said originally. Yeah. That if a Texas guy is out about somewhere, if if there's a Texas guy at, I don't know, Nebraska, and you could bring him home, um... You certainly would do that. Off, if there's an offensive, there's a big name starting offensive lineman that enters the portal. I would love some guy who's second team All Pac-12, second team All ACC, Big Ten, Big Ten. Yeah, and he just wants to come closer to home for his last year of eligibility yeah. on the offensive line. Give me that all day long. Some left tackle. How did the first fifty burger taste? Just as good as it needed to. What'd you score against Murray State? Fifty-six. I think. So the second. First conference one. First a real opponent. What kind of burger would the current and last two football coaches be? This is the last question. Give me the Cliff Kingsbury burger. That thing has 100 toppings on it. A lot of eye candy. It's a real thin patty. (laughs) And it's got jalapenos, grilled onions, uh, it's on like shredded a, a pretzel bun or it, brioche. something. Yeah, it's on a brioche bun, toasted. Um, you know what Matt Wells' burger would be? Plain and dry. <laughs> hey, that's how I eat burgers. <laughs> Sometimes. Matt Wells. I don't know if I said it's on the pod. He had the offensive line on an interesting diet, and so yeah. his, his burger would conform to. I think it was keto. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not good. Joey McGuire is a classic All-American. 
Oh, like bacon cheeseburger? Yeah, bacon cheese, double cheeseburger. F- from the hometown diner? Yeah. Grill hadn't been cleaned since 1972. And he's Probably not looking... green chilies. He's not looking for anything too healthy. He said he's put on 15 pounds since he got to Lubbock because yeah. he likes the food here. He's like, so yeah, just give me a good burger. Yeah. Somebody did ask what the Wells highlight package would look like if they played a Wells highlight package. Some pretty funny answers in the Discord. Give me the top three moments from the Wells era. Um, a good in a good way. Yeah, like like your earnest actual top three moments from the Wells era. I have mine. The win, the win in West Virginia after getting pantsed in Austin in twenty twenty one. Are we allowed to say what transpired after that win? The double bird. If you know, you know. Um, I, I'm trying to go back. And to the, the the win over Oklahoma State. Yeah. And then hiring Sonny Cumbie. Good answers. I, I was going to go with bringing in Tyree Wilson and Colin Schooler as walk-ons. Yeah. yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that only glad that only lasted two and a half years. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they pulled the trigger. I'm glad they hired Joe McGuire as the right hire. Um. I'm really excited to see what this recruiting momentum can do. You already signed a fourth, a four-star 2024 offensive lineman from Cooper. Um, uh, sky's the limit. That's now two of the offensive linemen at Cooper you've signed. Yeah. And there's a lot of questions out there like, why aren't you getting this guy who's local? Why aren't you getting this guy from Lubbock? Why aren't you getting that guy from Lubbock? Well, you're getting some of them. You're not going to take every single kid from Lubbock. But they're not um, ignoring them either. And not every kid from Lubbock wants to come to Texas Tech. True. But you're you're talking to every school at least. The last staff went to the San Angelo Coaches Clinic and said, we're going to build a wall around West Texas. And then they didn't even go back to the San Angelo's Clinic. I don't know if they went to Home Depot to get a hammer and anything that they were going to use to build the wall. No. They went to their kids' uh, little league practices. Best thing about Lubbock. Um. <laughs> So yeah, the the recruiting momentum is is a big deal. And again, to this point, you've done it all without any skins on the wall. Yeah. Imagine now that you've won some home games and you can say, "Hey, you want to Yeah, you want to win six games a year at home? You want to play somewhere where they'll storm the field after you win a a big conference game?" I I would like to see it quantified, but that was an immeasurable win that you put together against Oklahoma. And and that's what I'm not interested in trying to explain it to UT and Aggie people. That, Why'd you show them the field? Yeah. Six and six Oklahoma. It's like, you don't get it, and I'm not going to help you understand it. And yeah. I don't care if you get it or not. No. So cry harder and leave me alone. Cry more. Cry more. Final thoughts? Did we do everything you wanted to do today, Kyle? I think so. Final thoughts, I, I, I really do think the future is bright. A lot of tangible, objective ways that this staff overachieved in year one where you can point to and say this program is going in the right direction, and you see it with individual players as well. I think Baron Morton, Jaron Bradley, the offensive line as a unit, individual position coaches, Zarnell Fitch did a great job. Yep. Stephen Hamby, I think, did a great job as the season went on. Emmett Jones, we know he does a good job with the receivers. I love where things are headed, which is not something 
that I could have said about Texas Tech football for basically my entire time as a fan. No, and, and when Cliff was seven and zero, and I drove to Norman, I was feeling pretty good about Tech football, but it it turned out to be a mirage. Yeah, this is the first time where it feels legit. Yeah, and along with those, you know, close wins, one possession wins, you also hammered a couple people, so feels good. And I've had a fun time covering this. It's the memories you make along the way, man. I've been a fan for a long time, obviously. Not that I'm like some elevated, well, now I'm an analyst. But yeah, I am putting my thoughts together every week with you, and we bounce ideas off each other. We agree on a lot of stuff. We disagree on things like, is Texas going to get invited to the Alamo Bowl? We never disagreed on that. (laughs) Sometimes I yank your chain, and sometimes you're a good sport about it. Vice versa. But it's been fun. It, it feels like a fun time to be um, not involved with the program because we're not like in the building, but to be following along as a fan, as a spectator. There was a time, dude, where I was like, dude. am I going to turn the game on? Do I want to watch this? And I always did because yeah. I, I can't help myself. There was a season, Rob. It was, Matt Wells, it was Matt Wells' third year. I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to step back and not care about Texas Tech football this season. And I couldn't do it. And then we started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't do it. That, I know, must been, that must have been 2020. I know it's not good for me. Yeah. It was like, I, I can't not watch. I can't not care. I was going to be like, you know what? I know we're going to be bad this year. I just won't even care if they win or lose. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. And so, anyway, it's been fun to to be doing a podcast with you during a time where, like, okay, we get Sonny Cumbu, we made a 62-yard field goal, we're going bowling, hire McGuire, it's fun to be here when like stuff is trending up, and yeah. it makes it a lot more enjoyable than if we had started a podcast. And like, well, we're recapping a four and eight season, and the recruiting class coming in is eighty second in the country. What are your thoughts, Rob? Like that would kind of suck. Recruiting class in the top twenties. Where does it finish? Do you have a prediction on that? Because we're a weeks away there. Top twenty five. I think so. I, I, sometimes these the the blue blood types have guys uncommitted that they'll make their decision on signing day, and they'll. Yeah leap you when they get some four stars in, but I don't think you'll fall that much. Yeah, also you said, do we want them earlier when I said anybody from A&M? Yes. I, I question anybody's judgment who signed up to go play there. Do you question Tyree Wilson's judgment? No, never. Not once. All right. Is that all? I'm done, man. All right. Love you all. Where them boys from Oklahoma roll their jumps on wrong They're too damn skinny, way too long Well I ain't a holy roller so I just use a bone Them boys from Oklahoma roll their jumps on wrong